our friends at Detroit Boxing Company have done it again. Newer t-shirts, newer hoodies, newer hats, all comfy and will help you look fly as hell. Trust me. I love this product. It's something that I use. I love the t-shirts. I love the hoodie. And I love the people that work there. TJ is a fantastic person. And he puts out some really high quality stuff. So if you want some new gear to work out in, to look fly in, to look hella dope in, check them out at DetroitBoxingCompany.com. Use the code word CoreyCast, all one word, to save yourself a little moolah at checkout. That's DetroitBoxingCompany.com. Dot com code word Coreycast. Hey, did you hear the news? We got a new sponsor. Our friends at 13, they make fantastic clothing from shirts to hoodies to these wonderful knit hats. 13 knows what's up when it comes to clothing. All high quality stuff. And every time I put those t-shirts on, I feel like I'm a little bit more jacked. My biceps are popping a little bit more. And they are full of nice people. Everybody that's there is fantastic. They're some of my favorite people on this planet. They make really great stuff and Check them out on their website, T-H-U-R-1-3-E-N. Pick yourself up a hoodie and a t-shirt and at checkout, use the code word CoreyCast and save yourself a little bit of money. Love those guys. My guest today might look big and scary, but he's actually a big, soft teddy bear. And Big Adam Brazley got his nickname because he's 8 foot 5. I'm just kidding. I made that up. But if you know Ed, it's kind of believable, right? I feel like every time I'm talking to him, I'm looking straight up at the ceiling. One of the things I've always loved about Ed is he has always had such a growth mindset when it came to jiu-jitsu. He's always looking to learn more and always learn to grow, not even in just jiu-jitsu, but even in his striking game. I've learned a lot of my striking from Big Ed, and even though we have such a difference in size, he is always has a great way of conveying and teaching information. So not only is Ed always striving to learn better and grow in the martial arts of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but he also is a fantastic teacher. He stepped into the role of one of the Jiu-Jitsu teachers here on a regular schedule at Taikai. And I got to say, ever since I saw him step into that role, it was really beautiful to watch because I started training with Ed back in 2009 and when we had an MMA program at Taikai, and I got to watch Ed have some MMA fights when uh, the opponents would show up. And now to fast forward 12 years, 13 years into the future, and then see him doing so well with teaching, doing such a good job at conveying all these minute details is really beautiful to see, and that's one of the reasons why I love Ed. He also has a fantastic group of instructionals that are out on the BJJ Fanatics website. So if you are a jiu-jitsu fan, you should go to the BJJ Fanatics website, type in Adda Brazley, and he has a lot of great instructionals that are just fantastic. So listen, I could go all day about all the stuff I love about Ed, but here is the episode with my buddy, Big Ed. Ed, what what and really made you want to get into martial arts? Uh, so actually, 
it was when I was doing security and uh, a buddy of mine who still trains occasionally, um, SPAC. Him and I came uh, yeah. Remember SPAC? Yep. Uh, <clears throat> we still keep in touch here and there. Um, but we were doing security and we are like, yeah, you know what? Let's try it out. Use it for work, you know, just to defend ourselves because it was getting rough. We were uh, having to do a lot of nonsense. So we went, tried Taikai, and then uh, honestly, like, from that point on, I was hooked. Even, like, getting my my butt kicked for every second of every round for a long time. <laughs> right, uh, right. We're just like. You didn't know martial arts when you were younger? Nope. You, you None. and Matt started together. How old were you? So I started in 2009. Um, yeah, same. So what is that? 36 now. I don't know. It's like a math, something like that. Like 20, Damn. 19, I don't know, 20, something like that. Wow. And you just see, it's interesting because some people step in all different ages. You're just doing it as a pure self-defense. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was something that, you know, uh, actually Ralph Habib kind of mentioned to us and he's the one that actually like told us to go there. So when we went there, it was just like, I had somebody like, you know, Kevin McDougal side yeah. eating the living crap out of me. I'm like, <laughs> I, I got this, no problem. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I deal with all the time. I got this little dude. And now he's like on you like a backpack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's just like... I was getting my ass kicked by like so many people half my size. And I was like, this is incredible. It kept me yeah. like, I fell in love immediately. And do you uh, remember what your first day was when you stepped down on the mat? What was the, what, what did you feel like? Oh, well, yeah. Oh, well, I, like I couldn't shrimp down the mat. I couldn't move. I wanted, I only loved to like, I thought Nogi was easier for me. Um, yeah. I wasn't used to wearing a gi. Like it's just like uh, I felt like it was pajamas. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I was right. just, uh people were grabbing it, choking me, and I was just like, I don't want to wear that thing. People would choke yeah. me. I was just like, <laughs> I want to try to do no gi. So um that didn't help either. I was still getting beat up in no gi. I was still getting beat up everything I did. I, I felt like I got beat up just bowing in. Like I just could it was just kinda and that's what that took over, like the the ability like for to see people that are so much smaller than me, weaker than me. Like I was a strong kid, but I was big and you were working out though before you were lifting some serious iron. Yeah. And I just couldn't, but I had no cardio. I couldn't, I couldn't walk from the locker room to halfway down the mat before I was out. (laughs) Screw this. I don't sit down, but like, yeah, I had no, I had no cardio. I was just big dude. And that was it. I was just from that. Do you remember who, uh, who your first class was with? Um, no, I remember my first real, my first role, like live role before I didn't even know how to tap. It was a uh, big Rob White. Really? Yeah. That was your first round? My first Jeez. round was big Rob White. I forgot <laughs> who I think it was like this. This was back in the day when like Ken was walking around his Valetudo shorts, taking people's legs home with him and just like not caring, <laughs> not talking. To sit there, like you'd have a conversation with me, we'd just sit there in the stairs like this, and then yeah, 
like, okay, bye. I just walk away. You know, like those, yeah. this was back at the other school when I first started. Um, That's funny. Yeah. So I like, I, my first round was Rob White. He like mounted me and had his forearm on my throat and I was getting sweat dripped on my face. I was getting choked unconscious and I didn't know how to tap. And I was like, well, this is how I die. I guess. I don't know. So <laughs> he realized that I was probably going to die. So he stopped and, you know, this is, that is not how you die. You did very well. Yeah. I, well, you made it. not that, not at that point, but Th- those but, next few days, what made you want to keep showing up? Just the fact that you were like, the fact that you were bettering your health overall and in learning self-defense. Yeah. And plus I felt like there was more, there was just more there. Like it was, it was a challenge. Um, and it was proof. There was like the proof in the pudding. Like there's guys that were just smaller than me that could just do whatever the hell they wanted to me. And I was like, this isn't, this, you know, like the, putting people to sleep with chee balls and stuff like that. Like, it was like, this is like, this is some good stuff. And I, I just, right. I got addicted. I, I mean, I competed my first week of jiu-jitsu. I mean, and really? You competed your first week? Yeah. Oh my yep. God. You're amazing. I didn't know that. What was yeah. it, like a Naga or something? Um, no, it was some uh, random tournament to, and I lost and Ken will every single time that I'm in front of a big group of people, like at my belt test, he brought it up every single time and he will continue to do it until the day I die. <laughs> I lost to that guy, Mark, I think it's Mark. And he ended up coming and training a Taikai after that. I think he stopped training at like a blue belt, I believe. Um, yeah, I lost the points to him and I was like, this shit is awesome. I want to keep Just going. one point. And, man, you had the guts to compete your first. Not me, dude. I didn't want to compete when I first started. That's scary. Yeah, I mean, I didn't – honestly, I didn't know what I was in for when I first got yeah. to compete. I was like, I don't know. I felt like it was just like kind of like getting my, my ass kicked in class. I was like, I'll just go <laughs> over there. It wasn't like that. The adrenaline and everything, you know. Um for me, when I had my first match, I had like such bad cotton mouth that I was like, I remember when I finished it, the first match, I would just, it was like a tournament and I did my first match, won by submission. And I, I think I turned to you Ed. I think you were, it was at the Naga at Albany. And I was like, mm-hmm. I can't feel my mouth. My mouth, is, it's, I got cotton mouth. And you're, you just looked at me and you're like, yep, that'll happen. All right. Round two. Come on, bud. You're a second guy. I remember that you rode up with me. I- you rode, rode me there. Yeah, yeah. That was, you know, everybody says I'm addicted to gum. That's why I chew gum. That's what's got yeah. me started on that chewing gum thing. Like, yeah. I just got, you know, it helps with cotton mouth. And it helps me keep my, like, part of my body, like, engaged constantly so that it yeah. kind of helps with the mental So you don't stuff. have to, like, tap your hands or, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I got my size 15 foot, just tap it on the ground. Causing God, do you really have a size 15? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my nope. god, Jesus. I would yeah, put that yeah. on, I would look like goddamn clown feet. <laughs> it would look Bro. like clown shoes on me. Bro, it's horrible. I gotta like <laughs> order my shoes online. I gotta hope they fit. <laughs> hope that they look all right because no, I can't find them here. When you were doing uh jujitsu, you first started, you jumped, didn't you guys both just like jump into MMA? You and mm-hmm. Matt Smack? Oh, well, no, right? we went boxing first. Uh, you did boxing first. So we went to do a lot of boxing. We had boxing fights. And then we went and um, ended up going. And the Turning Stone Casino brought us up because they wanted us to do a tryout for them. Um, 
because after we had some box amateur boxing fights, they're like, yeah, we want you to go pro. So they brought us there. We did, uh, you know, we did a couple auditions, like a couple minutes cool. each. They offered us contracts right away. Um, That's sweet. To buy, I forgot. I totally forgot. You and Matt Smack were uh, were boxing. I forgot about that. Holy cow! Yep. How yep. did you feel versus when you did your jujitsu, your first competition versus your first boxing match? How did how did the two compare? Um. So the boxing part, I felt like it was like a lot of lead up to the like, you know what I mean? Like a lot of training for that exact scenario like there's just not that much more things that could happen other than you know just working on your boxing form straight punches moving jiu-jitsu you don't know what's going to happen you know like right. it's so many more possibilities or so many more mental things like all right well i don't yeah. know i get this guy but this guy like you already know who you're going to box against yeah jiu-jitsu you don't know like those tournaments a lot of times you don't know who you're going to go against but like right. That's Are you more nervous for your boxing fight than your jiu-jitsu competition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like I was more nervous for my first boxing match. Because um, I felt like it was just like a totally different scenario with being up on the ring. Yeah, Everybody on watching. Um, was that your first time on a ring too? Like right when yeah. you got to your fight? Yeah. yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It feels so much different. I wish we had a ring at Taikai. Yeah, and... You know, climbing into the ropes and stuff was kind of was kind of cool. Like it's like, all right, I was kind of pretending I was Mike Tyson. In my head, I'm like, yeah, like, I'm dude, like, I feel like you would have entered like the Big Show, like one foot all the way over the very top rope. Well, if I didn't have a size 15 and had to risk getting it trapped on there to flip on my face, <laughs> I had to do something like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I. Uh, That's sweet. I didn't. So went from boxing, in you did you ever? fulfill the contract with turning stone no we ended up when pretty much if once you sign the pro contract you weren't allowed to do anything that could risk getting injured which means oh so they had like really weird stipulations yeah they wanted like to control you and they said well pretty much you couldn't do mma you couldn't do jiu-jitsu you couldn't do anything other than boxing or you know stuff like that so yeah that's a no for me dog yeah it's like yeah nah i decided not to do that and then i went right into mma like my first box a couple seconds. You went into uh, how long from your boxing fight to your MMA fight? Uh, you know, I don't know. Probably like a year. A year? A year yeah. about that, yeah. Because, you know, that was back in the day when our rule was you had to be a blue belt to compete yep. in MMA. So I had to wait for that. And I was okay. And once you got your blue belt. Then you did MMA fight. Mm-hmm. And this is all pretty before it was legal. So you guys used to have to drive everywhere for fights. Yeah, well, it's amateur was okay. Like, because my first one was in Watertown. Oh, okay. Because the amateur, the pro stuff you couldn't do. <clears throat> yeah, right. So, like, the amateur stuff, they found, like, that little loophole to do their different stuff. I don't know. I don't know how that worked. But my yeah. first MMA, for her first MMA fight was in Watertown. Yeah. It was, uh, only lasted like six seconds, but <laughs> that's where you start. That guy was it? Yeah. What was it with? And huh? What? How? What did you knock the dude out with? Uh, well, I hit him with a one two. I thought, and then he was kind of out, so I grabbed his head and uppercutted him. Uppercut. I was, was gonna like, say an uppercut. 
he was out on his feet. Then he just face planted on the ground. Oh, and I walked geez. away because I broke my knuckle too. That was not. You what did you say? You said you broke your elbow. My knuckle, like I. Oh. I, like wow! Hand. You hit him so hard, you broke his your knuckle. Yeah, like in the video, like I look at my hand, like oh shit! Oh my immediate. god! But were you when you went from boxing to MMA? Were you like more nervous that like you had so many more factors going into it, like keep worrying about the takedowns and all that? Honestly, no. I was excited. I was like, "This is cool. I could do other shit." Yeah, that. Like, uh, I love you to pieces, and that's that's why I love you because you're fucking crazy like that. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you're like that. This is sweet. Not me, man. No. <laughs> got options. I can start taking people down, and doing some more stuff. But uh, yeah, no. I mean, I love a challenge. I love challenging. I've, I've, you know, um, done everything I could to put myself in the best position possible to better my myself in this journey i guess um yeah your uh your jiu-jitsu martial arts journey right yeah and i that's also why like you know i go to philly all the time like i go train with those guys like i don't want to be dude how cool is it to go train up there or down there in philly isn't that awesome it's incredible i love it i love going there with those guys like those <laughs> not just like you roll with like people that you're not used to but stuff another level with those kind of guys you know like rolling with phil and rick i mean dude dude phil is really cool to be around he is like it sounds so cheesy when i say this but people say there's like people that when they walk in the room everybody is like attentions on it's like very like positive energy from i don't know every time i talk to him it's very like he seems like such a cool fucking dude like i want to hang out with that dude all the time a hundred percent. And that's exactly yeah. how they are, you know, in front of a thousand people or in front of just you. Like just, those guys are down there. Yeah. Real and, I mean, yeah, he, I even, I really loved how he, how he taught too. When you like travel and get to go check out all these different schools. I, it's nice to see how all these teachers have different styles. And I loved Phil, the way that he broke things down. I took a, one of his Thai classes when we went there. It was a lot of fun. It was cool. I liked the change in style. I liked what he was going over. It was really cool. The way he uh, gives information is how I learn. He likes to use analogies. So that's like, it's perfect. Yeah. That's where I picked up 90% of my, my teaching styles is like learning from those guys from, you know, Ken and Olverin and all those guys all together. I take bits and pieces that kind of fit for the way that I teach. I mean, as you know, I have a hard time hiding the way I'm, feeling about things or the way I want, I want to say things, I just say it. So, yeah. uh, I guess I'm acquired taste for people to come to my class. Um, <laughs> acquired taste. <laughs> Cause I just don't bullshit, you know, it's just kind of like I say it how it is, you know, and I don't do like the false sense of security. I don't do the, you know, baby and people, you know, um, I say but how now it, you moved it, on it, to it, teaching. Are you no longer competing anymore? Are you focusing more on teaching? Um, honestly, I, I'm still trying to compete as much as possible. I know. I feel like you're crazy enough. You'd be like, nah, I'll, I'll do a, yeah. a match yeah. right now if you want. My, oh, absolutely. hundred percent. I got, <laughs> I, I, I got called to a match and it's worth it. Like, oh, I, absolutely. I would love it. I, I, <laughs> I just, I, I love that competition. Like, you know, I've gone to so many competitions by myself that it's just kind of like, it's normal for me. I'm just like, yeah. I don't need a coach. I just go out there and do what I've been. What are your uh, favorite events that you've got to compete at? 
Is there one that sticks out in your head? Uh, you know, Fight to Win was awesome. Um, Fight to Win and Rise. I'd say those two are the the top two that. Um, Rise was I was a brown belt still, uh, and I was in their heavyweight tournament for their first ever heavyweight uh, champion belt, and I went against two tough dudes, you know, two tough black belts. One Gary Tona was coaching the first guy I went against. I subbed him. Um, second guy, this guy Nick Walls was a he's a monster, awesome dude, real good dude, a real good jujitsu competitor. Um, we just our styles at that point were kind of a good mix up together. Uh, I ended up subbing him. He was a black belt on a cyborg. Um, so that was a good night. I like your brown belt. You were just yeah. taking black belt home with you, taking yeah. the arm with them. Yeah, I won both matches by sub. They were 10 minute or uh, 10 minute sub only or EBI overtime. And I was able to get it done under, you know, under the time limit. Time limit. Um, I just a gangster, dude. I can't believe you did that. What a gangster while you were a brown belt. Yeah. I also competed before that in the gi as a brown belt against a black belt for Rise. Um, the guy, Izzy Medina, he was a high level uh, wrestler, won Pan Ams, a black belt, stuff like that. Um, again, I submitted him in a couple of minutes in the gi. In the uh, gi. I, when I was a blue belt, was like, that was my prime. I was loving that. I was loving blue belt. I was submitted, <laughs> beating black belts as a blue belt, like Nolan Dutcher, um, Gabriel, the gladiator, Santos. Um, Do you think out of all the promotions, Rise put on the best event? Rise and Fight to Win. Both of them, they both have top-notch, top-notch events. And it's... Really? Uh, it's the it's all the background work behind the scenes, right? Yeah, and and uh, I was supposed to fight for uh, Fury Grappling. Um, <clears throat> oh, nice! That was the like the CFFC or their kind of event for grappling. Um, yeah, we went there. I got ready for the match. Got ready. That actually, Rick and Phil were gonna. Rick came there to corner me. And we got dressed, got ready, getting ready to walk out. And like, oh, yeah, you guys not here. So it's like, um, okay. We feel last minute to tell you. Yeah. Well, they, they were waiting for me. They, get, they said he just decided to stop answering messages and wasn't going to show up. Jeez, so, what on earth? Yeah. Well, you know, Rick pulls out his phone and calls the guy's coach, which was like, um, I forgot who the coach was. I think. It was but like, Rick knew him. He's like, dude, what the hell? Yeah, but it was like high as like a big name guy. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> Devont. No, um, I'd have to f- think about it. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But like, yeah, that's all right. That's funny. He he just straight up calls him and is like, "Yo, what? What the hell? You're yeah. doing show?" Yeah, Rick. Yeah, those guys are just awesome, man. I mean, Rick and Phil have cornered me for multiple matches. Yeah. <laughs> there uh is there one dream instructor you have that you will like want to take their class like in person uh honestly not that you know i i can't not that i can think about top of my head man like phil and is Rick. there like one seminar you went to that you were really impressed with the with the instructor I've gotten everything I need from like Phil and Rick for the listening to the way that those guys teach and they explain stuff. Like it's gotten me over every hump of jujitsu that I've had 
you know, every roadblock that I've come to, like those guys had the answer immediately, you know, like how, uh, how often are you going out there? Is it like once a month? Yeah. I try to go at least once a month. Yeah. Like COVID shut that down for a little bit, but that, uh, has been my goal to make it there as much as possible. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's cool. When you started, uh, taking over classes and teaching more at Taikai, have you taken your teaching techniques from the two of them? Yeah, I, I try to put, you know, my my teaching style is a lot different than a lot of other people. You know, like I try to make sure I know I have my techniques that I show. Um, I want everybody to understand the certain things I'm going to show for that class. And then do you like write things down? Do you have like a class plan or do you just do it off the top of your head? Uh, I have it in my head. Like I write it in my head pretty much like I just have like idea what I want to do for the next week. So I do. You know what's funny? It's, it's cool. Everybody does it different. Chris Roach doesn't write anything down. Mm-hmm. Dennis likes to write things down. I have a notebook. I write like my class plans for Fridays. I always write stuff down. Oh, it's yeah, funny. Yeah. Some people don't, don't do it. it. And you and Chris run a great class. You know, it's funny, I, it I, I, you anyway. I have horrible handwriting, so I wouldn't be able to read my handwriting anyway. So I'm just <laughs> You're like, what is, why am I having him throw a jab cross hook in jujitsu? I don't understand. Yeah, that. I don't, that doesn't make sense. Why, why are you going to chicken choking a crocodile? I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, when yeah, uh, I, you're trying to figure out what to go over for jujitsu, what, how do you come up with it? Is it just like, we'll figure out a route? Like, uh, we go from point A to B, or is there like, we're just going to drill an arm bar this class? Well, so, like, I always show stuff that I hit live, no matter what, whether it's in open mat or. In competition, um, everything that I show, I I can do 100%. Like, I am very big with – I practice what I preach. I try to show everything. So the way that I look at it is for that class, when I show something, it's something that – like an upper belt that for that that I know that comes in my classes, you know, that I've rolled with during the week that they get having trouble with in my head. So I kind of worked some stuff from them. And then I spend the last – 15 minutes of class with open drilling so that every, if they're, as long as they're not a white belt, they can drill anything from anywhere. It doesn't have to be what I showed for that class. And we were out, they raise their hand. I'll come around and help them with whatever they're having issues with. And and so that everybody can get something out of class. So it's not just one person. Do you, do you have like that one move set? That's your jam that you love teaching. I love Southern people. So every kind of, every kind of <laughs> submission that I, you're like, I'm I, never showing you a skate. We're just going to show you how to tap everybody. I do hundred percent. I, I mean, I should, I should show more stuff, but I let people pick, you know, like it's like, you know, I like showing setups that lead into different submission chains so that you're not giving up everything for just one sub and you're in a bad spot. Like I love, you know, I've gone to competitions where I've subbed people. I've been up by, 20 something points, sub them with the second left. Just because I this I love submitting. You know, I love it. Yeah. I love like leaving no doubt that yep. it's, Same. it's over. You know? That's a uh, Steve said that a couple weeks ago in class. He was like, You can get in uh top control and uh, mount him and get his points, but he's like, you know what? I uh I'm not trying to get points here, I'm trying to sub you. So that's 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 what I want here. And I was like, damn, you know, I'm not trying to win on points. Get that out of here. Absolutely. Steve Steve is uh is one of my good friends. Him and I, we definitely have that same kind of mentality where it's like we're going for subs. We're not trying to win on points. We're not trying to win on, you know, advantages. Like, I want – and that's what kind of, like, screwed me on my first time I did IBJJF. I, like, did my first one at Purple Ball. You were just doing it, trying to get points? 
I know I was just trying to get subs and I didn't understand yeah. how the points worked. And I was just, I yeah. got out points a lot and I was just going for, it was a high level. It was like a, it was a fun match to watch. Yeah. But I, I definitely lost by a lot of a point, a lot of points, but I was like, damn, that was fun. Like I was right. just, you're just stuff. trying to tap people and they're, they're getting position. Holding yeah. Down. I lost to this guy, Benny Rappel. Um, he was coached by Marcelo. Um, <clears throat> He lived in Marcel's house. Like he was one of their pro um, heavyweight competitors, and he was a tough dude, man, tough. And I, you know, from that point on, I was like, I'm going back to the next one. Went to the next one, and we fought each other again. And we fought to a draw. And it was a ref's decision, ref gave to him, but I definitely disagreed. Um, <laughs> I disagreed, be- but. Just saying, I got some, you know, I didn't get some points or some stuff that I definitely should have. Um, I got IBJJF'd, as I say. Uh, but did you supplement your jujitsu when you were getting ready for those tournaments with like a type of cardio or anything? I did high intensity cardio a lot. Um, but like they say, the best way to get ready for grappling is just grapple as much as yeah. you can. Self and build position, you know. Um, the different kind of cardio. It's funny, all these different types of uh, workouts are all, you think like you're, if you run a marathon, you think you're in shape to hit pads, but really that's like two separate factors. Yeah, man. And you know, and that's the same kind of thing, like starting from the feet or starting on your butt. People, when you yeah. start on the feet, people gas out so much faster, obviously. Dude, it's, yeah. They don't, you know. And that's I know, why that's I the worst part about standing up. The, the worst part about when you start standing is after you get taken down, Say someone subs, and then you have to stand up. That's the worst. Restanding up is the worst part because you feel your energy go. <sighs> yep, and I've seen a lot of guys like, you know, it's funny watching that. Cause a lot of my classes I do takedowns too. Like you know, like we're, we're doing takedowns. I want you guys to get understand from the feet, so you're used to it. Like we do takedowns, so you're used to it. People, you know, like everything. Even if, and I always tell you, you should always compete. I feel like everyone should at least try competition once. And you, whether they're doing this for competition-wise or they're doing it for self-defense on the street, if someone wants to fight you, they're not going to say, hey, let me sit on my butt. I mean, we're going to yeah. start. I guess everything starts on the feet there, too. So yep. you got to be comfortable in those situations, you know. But um, right. I feel like if somebody just came up to me on the street, I think my go-to weapon would just be a leg kick. I would leg kick them so hard or teep them, right? I feel like that's the that's the way to go. I'd like that. That'd be At least cool. for me, right? Because, like, if yeah. a man your size that approaches me, he's, he's going to hold me down. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, or you could just <laughs> back and start choking them, you know. But I, I just think that everyone should compete. And like I said, whether you want to go compete, and if you don't, it's for self defense. Go compete because you go to compete against somebody. That's the closest thing you're gonna get from fighting someone in real life because they don't know you. They want to come after you. They want to beat you with as as hard as you want to beat them. So. I feel like everyone should compete at least once. Try it. Yeah, I think it's super beneficial, even just from a, a mental aspect. Like I had a, I had a very new level of respect after I did the jujitsu, uh, that the naga when I was green. I haven't done one since, and I, I think when I get brown belt is when I'm going to go back to competing again because I have not competed in since I was a, a white belt. It's been. If forever. you, I'm there. Let's go. I'm doing. Yeah, we'll that'd be that'd be fun, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I'm in. Count me in. That's it. I'll, I'll compete with you, bro. Yeah, so, no, that'd be. It's been a minute, but the uh, the level of uh, mental toughness too, especially because I remember being 
uh, my match was against a guy who was a really good wrestler, and he had such good control of my hips. And I'm like mentally pushing past the point where I was like, oh, I want to give up right now. Uh, I can't get out of position. Like having to quiet that voice was so hard for me in that moment because yeah. I really did want to give up. I could not move from this guy. Yeah, you know, and that's what and that's what 99% of the people when they get in that position are like, I, I just don't want to be here anymore. I quit. And then, then they All tap right. or they're out or there's like they find a way to lose. It's just and that's what makes you a better jiu-jitsu practitioner is being able to fight through that mental mental stuff. Because like they say, jiu-jitsu is just as much mental as it is physical. You know, I mean, yeah. I've had a lot of situations where, like competition-wise, where I went, like IBJJF, I went and uh, competed against uh, Vinicius, to the guy, Trader. He lost to Gordon Ryan in the finals at the last ADCC. Oh. So I went to do my first Pan Ams at Brown Belt. And he was my first match, and he was ranked at like fifth in the world at Brown Belt, like in all weight classes. And Marcelo Garcia and all those guys, Mateus, all those, everybody was literally standing there coaching him. And I didn't even have everyone there to take a picture. And I'm like, like it was just kind of in my head. I'm like, God, this is gonna suck, man. And he was just so in himself. And I was like, well, stick to the game plan. I had my game plan. Like it was just my same way that I compete all the time. Went out there. I think I saw them in a couple minutes. It took a couple minutes. I, you know, and it was just like, it, nothing is better watching someone where they're cocky and they're like confident to watching like, oh shit, like I'm in trouble. And you could feel that that's giving up. And that's when I just, you put that foot on the gas and you finish it. Right. How do you push through that mental block in your head? Just with practice, you just have been able to, to get through it. Yeah. You know, um, I literally tell myself in my head, I say, stop being a little bitch. Exactly what happened. The <laughs> I first tell myself time. that. I say, stop being a little bitch. I, yeah, that's exactly what happened the first time. And then I've been there so many times since then that it's just like, it's natural already now. You know, like I don't, I, I push past it right away. Cause it's like the yeah. first thing, first thing I thought, first time I was ever there. Do you want to quit? You're going to be a little bitch or you're going to actually. When it's, when it's it mentally and physically exhausting. That's mm-hmm. like uh, Chris and I, when we do, uh, we used to call, uh, we would say, in deep waters, we'd call it deep waters, where we'd kick pads for 10 minutes. We'd do 10 minute round. And by like f- four minutes in, you're like, what? I have six more minutes. And you, your body starts like quivering. You feel like you can't, you're like suffocating. <laughs> you know what they say though? Like the body gives up way faster than the mind or the mind gives up way faster than the body. Like your, your body can do way more than you think. So it's right. like you want to give up, but you know, and one of the things like Chris Roach says a lot. And the first time he said it, it was like, wow. It's like, you might be tired right now, but if this building caught on fire, you'd be able to get up and run out. Yep. So you still got more than tank. You better keep going. You know, and that's like, like that. Chris has got that no bullshit mentality too. Like all the kind of like, that's, you know, I know we got, we got a couple of uh, no BS jujitsu guys over there, you know. And that the best part is the mats tell the truth, no matter what people say, no matter what you think. The mats will always tell the truth. That's Lo- Logan says all the time. He's like, "Dude, I miss never- Logan. I miss <laughs> Logan." Yeah, he's, he's a uh, good dude. He's a, he's uh talk about man crush, dude. That dude is handsome as all hell, <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah. talented. He's so Every- good. Every time he walks in, a bald eagle flies across the sky. Like he's a guy. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's 
one of the best guys I know. He's a good dude, man. Definitely uh, very close. Like Zane calls him, you know, Uncle Logan. So That's it's – um, You uh, the you did the, one of the uh, BJJ Fanatic DVDs with him, right? Yeah, yeah. He was the Uki for the first one, yeah. And That's then, cool. And that, no, he was a – was he two? I think it was the second one too. I don't the remember. First, was it two of them? I've done – Three. Done three of them, right? Three or four. They want me to come back again. Um, nice. How cool out. is it doing one of those? Yeah, could I would. How, what does that look like when you uh, when they invite you over? What kind of set? What do they hook you up with? Uh they take care of everything, man. Like they literally pay oh, for cool. everything. They give you, you know, you get money every month for the sales and stuff, and they promote your stuff. They cover food room hotel gas you were telling me too uh you got the train uh at his school too there yeah yeah we get to go to bernardo's and train over there you know um bernardo was always uh someone i looked up to when i was coming up in jiu-jitsu you know um why that was when he was real big and competing and winning i was gonna say what was it about it that drew you to him uh his size and his ability to just keep pushing that pace and keep making that. And he, it wasn't, he wasn't there by mistake. He was crushing dudes and he was beating them mentally, physically. Like he was just, his style was something that was really fun to watch too. Um, Aggressive. uh, Yeah. I like that's, that's also one of my downfalls. I, I don't watch jujitsu as much as I probably should, but I feel like a lot of times that point stuff is kind of bar- boring. And yeah. he is very exciting to watch. He's like one of those guys that I really enjoy watching. I really did too, you know, coming up. And I was like, you know, he, I looked up to him. And then, you know, it came to the point and where. I to invite you over to his space and train. And That's so me For instruction, I was just like, yeah. That's just kind of. You know, I went from looking up to him to him paying me for instruction. Yeah. Kind of texting you on the weekend, like, "Hey, what's going on, Ed? How's your weekend?" Oh yeah, shit! Right. I'd be right with that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> that was just that's yeah. funny. But uh, when you go there, they even take care of the food and all that too. I mean, that's really impressive. It speaks uh, volumes on his character that he just hooks yeah. you up. He's not just like, "Hey, here you go, film this. All right, take care right. of yourself. Yeah. See you later." No. Uh, that they're really good guys, you know. Um, where are they? Sure. Uh, where are they located? Do you know? Boston, Boston. Boston. Based out of Boston, yeah. Boston. They and they the filming is at Bernardo's. Like they have a studio there. Um, in driving the, through Boston they, though makes me nervous. You have to drive through Boston to get there. I probably won't be there for. <laughs> I don't. I don't do driving through Boston. I did it once. I'll never do it again. Well. You know how I drive, so yep. I. Uh, you get there no problem. <laughs> absolutely, we're like taking a, bucket, you know. <laughs> the guys will tell you when we go to Philly, like when you know we get there in a couple, a four hour drives, like to. Jesus not, man, what's something? But, but, but we allegedly, allegedly, not to. You know, we get there in a safe, yeah. without breaking the law. Exactly. What uh, is there a school you haven't? trained at that you really wanted to like a school that you other than the uh, team balance school in philly i don't know um 
Craig Jones' school, the B team. I want to try that. I love Craig Jones. I like the way that he turns things into, you know, it's an aggressive style, but he's, like, hilarious. The way that he tries to talk and stuff is, I want to I go there. Yeah, just because of uh, his style. He's a, talk about another exciting person to watch jujitsu. Oh, yeah, for sure. He came out of nowhere, too. Like, all of a sudden, like, he went that and he almost uh, subbed Gordon Ryan with that arm bar. Yep. And then from then on, it was just, like, a household name after that. Yeah, especially in the jiu-jitsu world. He's uh, he's so so freaking talented. Oh, yeah. Uh, the uh, When uh, you got to travel to Philly, have you taught any seminars or done any classes for them? Or have you just been partaking in the classes? Uh, I've... I've helped out with uh, a couple of classes, like being there. Um, but those guys, man, they're they're on another level. They all, yeah. I tell you, man. One of the most recent times I've rolled with Phil, he was having like an issue with one of his hands, <clears throat> so he was rolling with one arm. I was rolling as hard as I could. He was coaching the group next to us. And he absolutely like made me feel like I didn't even know what you did to anymore. With one he hand, my guard. I don't even think I opened my guard. I was just like, I don't know how that. <laughs> happened. I don't know what what'd you do? He didn't even try to stop me. He was just me letting like taking my back, let me recover, mounting me, taking side, just toying with. I felt like like a little mouse with a cat just batting me yeah. around. It and reminds you, there's some levels of the game, right? <laughs> oh man, it just made me fall in love with it all over again. Like wow, yeah. there's just levels to it. It's just that, yeah. Bet. There's levels to this game. That's what I think. That's what keeps people sucked in for so long. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, do you prefer? I, I wanted to ask you. I couldn't believe I I haven't asked you yet. Do you prefer teaching or competing more? Uh, I prefer competing. Um, I, said, yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to put a put a choose one or the other if, if i yeah. choose between me competing or coaching my friends competing like po- coaching competing i it's more stressful coaching yeah the guys it's your friends right yeah like coaching like you know it's coaching you guys it's like i'd rather be out there get you know losing or something yeah. than having to go it's just so stressful it's so yeah. stressful because you know you watch your friends to get choked you want them to be successful and you want to help them be successful but even even when they are winning, even then when they are competing at their best and it, and it's looking awesome, you're not really helping. You're just kind of sending it. It's so so stressful watching too. It's just like right. It's, it's, it's so it makes your palms sweat. Oh my god, dude! I that's like that's sweat. like what it was like for us. Put it in oh. perspective when we had to watch you fight. Like when you yeah. <laughs> you and Crazy Mike would go fight professionally, we were always so nervous because we were like, oh my god, anything can happen. Yeah, it was. We don't. Nobody wants to see our your friend get hurt. Right. Yeah. I just. I. I don't know. I. It's. I love. I love coaching. I love. I love it. It's just stressful. It's hard to pick one over the other. Yeah. I mean, I love teaching and coaching. I love it all. I love every aspect of it. Um, Where do you see yourself in the sport in the next like ten, fifteen years? Uh, obviously, still. Obviously, still training. Oh, absolutely! Right. I'll train until the day that I die. I don't <laughs> care. I. Uh, this is my piece. Training is my piece. Um, 
you know, I, you know, some people say, oh, they want to own a school. They want to do all this stuff. Like, I don't ever want to own a school. I like just teaching a couple classes. Yeah. That's it. You know, I like yeah. I like teaching. I love training. I love helping. I love, you know, hopefully getting uh, some more seminars going. Um, that's about it. And I'm pretty happy with how things have been building. How, uh, how have you helped with your longevity in the sport? Do you take any supplements or anything? Uh, I take the BCAAs, branch yeah. chain amino acids. You got uh, me on that stuff. You and Chris Smith, both yeah, of you guys I mean, were talking about how awesome it was. I it feels a night and day difference, and it helps recovery. Um, I hated I hated pre workout, and mm-hmm. sometimes when I'm in a pinch and I'm running around doing showings all day, it's really hard to to stay hydrated with things other than coffee. So that's like a nice rehydrator. Yeah, I you know I like that it doesn't have a lot of sugar it doesn't have any sugar actually it doesn't have any carbs and it yeah. counts as water intake for the day which is something that people got to start taking into consideration that you know the, the amount that you saw when you train you also got to drink that during the day too like that i gotta drink more water dude that's my downfall that's it i've been trying to drink carry it around with me too like just drinking more water and being used to carrying a jug around with me so i can be you know consistent with it do you have a like a stretch routine nah. that helps with the longevity or anything? No, no, I probably should, but yeah, I you do. Should. I'm telling you, it's one of the best things I've done for my ankles. I fu- <laughs> I messed my ankles up playing soccer when I was younger. Both of them, I fractured one of them and bro had like a, my ankle cracked or something in the other. I'm I messed both of them up pretty bad. So my stretch routine, I have a very specific thing I do with my foot so I don't lose my flexibility. Yeah, I, I gotta start doing that. I just honestly, I I don't know. I don't have it in my head. I back roll because I have a um, I get knots on my shoulder blades. I got you know I use a J cane or like that back roller with the nubs. But oh yeah, dude, you had that cane, that cane mm-hmm. you could pull and dig into your back. That's it, dude. That's are you going to like a chiropractor or anything? Do you do anything no. like that? No, no. Ed, you gotta take care of your body, dude. Start stretching. No. I'm telling you. No, I do. I got I me. Mean, I have a. I have my hot tub. I sit in a hot tub at night. Absent uh, salt baths too. When yep. I get really, really sore, but my body's used to it now. I just been training for so much, so long that. And when I don't train, I feel sore. Like I'm. Like, I feel stiff. Like I just like I gotta move. I gotta train. Like gotta... Your mental state is different, right? Yeah, I just. Yeah. I I'm not a joy to be around at all when I don't when I'm not <laughs> able to train at all. So it's just been all together. Training is my taking care of my body for me. Yeah, mentally and physically, right? Because you you had uh, really emphasized how much uh, training helped you through uh, when we couldn't even the gym was closed down. You still were able to at least have a partner and drill a little bit to keep your sanity. Yeah, I uh, I. For the first part of COVID, when it shut everything down, like I was working 16 hour days, I was just not. Right. You're running yourself ragged. Yeah. And then, you know, it got to the point where I was like, I, something's got to change or else. Dude, it was the same, the same for me. I remember there was one incident where I, we were in lockdown and something happened where. I, I forgot what it was exactly, but I remember I snapped at 
my mentor, the lady I work with at Howard Hanna when she was training me, right? And I snapped at her over something so silly. And I went went for a run after because at that point we haven't been training for like months and months and months. It was actually just before we opened up. And uh, I was like, wow, I haven't trained in so long. I'm like grumpy. <laughs> no one no one wants to be around. Brittany said like the first few weeks she was like, I cannot wait until Taikai opens. You can get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you know, and but it's important for people's mental health, like not not even just physical, but mental health. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I if I didn't, if I wasn't able to choke my friends. I'd probably be choking people that I don't know, and I would. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's so funny, Ed. Dude, yeah. this was a lot of fun. Thanks yeah. for thanks for doing this, dude. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. It's but, cool. Uh, like getting the chance to just like sit and chat with you for an hour. It's instead of always being like, Hey, what's up, Ed? High five. What's up? Yeah. See you later, dude. You know, we get yeah, to actually right. like decompress a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Especially yeah, for how long we've been training. I mean, we back doing MMA class with Dennis. That that was when like I was training like five days a week. <laughs> yeah. Because I had nothing I, uh... else going on. I had no girlfriend, no kid. Yeah, you were just training, coming right. in with the- Wearing spats, which you changed. Spats, that's right, dude. That's right. Representing savage spats, that's right. That's so thing. That's no, not anymore. I wish it was. Yeah, why did you stop that? You should have. He just uh, fell out of love with it. He didn't uh, want to do it anymore. Which is all Gucci. That's all good. It's uh, kind of weird though, being at Taikai for as long as I have, because a lot of those people have seen me when I was 18 years old. Like you remember me when I was just a kid. Just a little little young lad, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, I know, right? Like it's just uh it's wild and it's really cool to see uh I was talking to Dennis the uh the cool like connections we have with all these people who have been to Taikai and like have maybe I've like sold a house to or something or or mm-hmm. still keep in touch with them in social media. It's really cool to see such a great network of people that have came through Taikai. It's you know, I've met the best people in my life from Taikai, and the, it's the same guys that'll, at the drop of a hat, will be there to, to get your back. And well, I, I don't know one person that I'm not friends with there that would take their shirt off their back immediately if you needed it, you know? It's yeah, for sure. Part. Yeah. They're not it, friends, they're all family. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, it's really cool to see, especially, uh, I think like I've said this before, but back in the day, people would go to like church to get that sense of community. And I, that sense of community at Taika is so strong there. It's just, I don't know, just uh well put everybody there would really kindly uh, do anything for you in a pinch. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what a, sure. what a great I, point. I can't picture my life without them. Yeah. Could you, could you ever imagine Ed, if you had to run Taika, could you ever imagine that? I would not be able to do it. I just don't have that. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I don't, I don't bullshit. I tell people how it is, when it is, <laughs> what they're doing. I just, I don't think that I would have the ability. <laughs> you be, just, after, after you said you were like, I want, I don't never want to run a school. Ed, <laughs> what if you got control of Taikai? Never. Absolutely. Because <laughs> I don't feel like I, there would be, there would be people that would not be coming back. I would feel like there'd be people that, I mean, I, I bet you there's people there that don't like me. that don't like the way that I, I talk or 
call people out, but I just kind of feel like people need to be accountable for things and they should be held to the same standards as everybody else, which Ken does an awesome job doing that. Right. Um, I just, I'm not that kind of guy where I can kind of smile and say, Hey, yeah, <laughs> you're doing great. And I'm like, no, that's <laughs> shit. Do it right. <laughs> but you know, that's why people are in different spots there. And I just, I, I feel like we got a strong group of guys that run the classes and run the school. Like Ken knows what he's doing. It's been proven. And I will say Shark Tank is honestly one of my favorite days of the week. Shark Tank has been one of my favorites. We got to start building it though too. You know, how many purple belts are at Taikai that don't? We got a lot of purple belts. Any of those purple belts listening to this right now, you better show up to Shark Tank Sundays at 10 a.m. I'm sick of being the only purple belt going. Shark Tank is going to be where we go and find all the purple belts, wherever they are. Chum in the water. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Grapple them on point, whether they're walking into the Tai Kai or at home with their family. We'll find them. We'll (laughs) grapple with them. We'll get them. We'll get them going somewhere or the other. Yeah, well, we'll, that'll be be good when uh, we got 32 freaking blue belts going through on the next test. So soon enough, the... The the purple belt pool is going to be massive too, so that Shark Tank will blow up here. Hell yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully, but you know, sometimes only time will tell. Only time will tell, Edward. Sometimes it just comes up with more people with more excuses. That's right, dude. Ed, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate your time tonight. This was really cool. Uh, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me, man.